the Apollo Podcast Network. All right, hello and welcome to Cash Landing. I, as always, am your host, Ben, joined by my esteemed co-host, Aaron. We're coming off a great week. We've got a great week of especially football to look forward to. we got some World Series talk to get into. Aaron, how are we, how are we doing tonight? Oh, man, we're doing pretty good, or at least as good as we can be coming off a night where the Dodgers just got a big World Series win. But that's fine. Good for them. They still got to win a couple more. But, yeah, man, I'm rested up. I'm ready to talk about another full weekend of football. We've got a great slate. We've got a lot of good bets on the board. But, uh, yeah, man, I'm just ready to talk about some football, a little bit of baseball. I'm fired up for another cash landing pod. So just just to recap uh, our last couple of weeks, we are just about the hottest thing under the sun. Aaron, how how hot are we as a podcast? Oh, Ben, I would say our bets are uh, probably hotter than playoff Randy or Rosarena doing bear crawls on the surface of the sun, dressed head to toe in ski gear, minutes after eating a bowl of red hot chili peppers. I think I think we're a little hotter than that. How hot do you think yeah. we are? I mean, I think we're hotter than. Then Idris Elba pulling up just to sweep you off your feet on a on a well groomed Clydesdale. I think we're hotter than the eighth layer of Dante's Inferno. I think we're hotter than you know, like that marshmallow that you just stuck in the fire when you were roasting s'mores on your camping trip in the eighth grade, but it absolutely caught on fire. And then you had to blow on it for like four times just to put out the fire. But then by the time you bit into the charred outside, it just had this like molten core, and you vowed right then and there that, that you'd never ever go camping again. You know that? that that kind of hot we're, we're pretty hot yeah <laughs> so for those of you unaware we uh we have completely reversed our fortunes here on the cash landing podcast or at least i have i was in the negative for a little while i don't think aaron ever went negative but we went what was it seven and one over the last two weeks we're seven and one in our nfl bets over the past two weeks yeah which is which is pretty good. We've we've come all the way back to be up nearly sixteen hundred dollars as a podcast. Um, my my week started off pretty poorly last week. I had a, I put a hundred dollars as a homer pick on the Astros to win the the game seven. Obviously, didn't happen. But I ended up cashing the remaining three bets, and none of them were even particularly close. So, um, they, it was a pretty good week for me. I know it was a pretty good week for Aaron as well. Yeah, my only loser of the week was. Um actually like a terrible bad beat that I actually want to talk about a little bit. My, I mean, I was, I felt pretty good about the Texans plus three and a half and ended up just being a bad beat. They were up by seven points with a PAT conversion coming with a hunt with a minute 20 left and somehow didn't even come away with the cover. I actually didn't hate the decision by not so little Romeo uh, Cornell who went for two and they went for the kill up by to try to go up by nine. He basically said that he had more confidence in his offense to get a two-point conversion than his defense to stop the Titans from giving from getting two-point conversion, which given the strengths and weaknesses of each team, I actually kind of respect that decision. But it didn't work out. Of course, it worked out all the way against me. The Titans immediately drive down, score, win the coin toss, Derrick Henry, ice it in overtime. But that was my only loss of the week. All my other bets were winners. Um including the Cardinals. Look, there were a lot of people out there recommending the Cowboys. If you're sharp was recommending the Cowboys last week, I highly evaluate. I highly recommend that you reevaluate things and just maybe switch your allegiances over to the cash landing pod. Cause look, I was all in on the Cardinals. I don't know why people were on Dallas. Kyler Murray was way too much for that team. And uh, yeah, I mean, that just capped off a nice parlay for me and a really nice week of winning bets yet again. 
Yeah, you you're up you're up more than a thousand on the year. I'm only up five hundred, so with uh, I'm hoping that's going to even out a little bit. But uh, you you've you've got to be feeling pretty good over there, top of the food chain. Yeah, I mean, my main priority is our podcast, giving out a lot of winning picks. But you know, if I'm going to consistently have a lead on you, then you know, I'll take that as well. Hey, I'm I'm winning the gentlemen's bets. That's the I, I've got that going for me. You are smoking me on the gentlemen's bets. We'll we'll update that here in a sec. But yeah, man, three one lead, tough. It's big, but you know, people <laughs> have come back from three one leads before. I don't know if you've heard about that or not. Yeah, dude, Cubs in the World Series. That was insane. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, as far as DFS went, uh, I had a pretty good week on on DFS as well. I, I played some. I certainly played some DraftKings. I mean, we basically give out all of our picks on the show, so everybody already knows all the people I played. But um, I had a Texan stack going in a tournament that that got me to attorney cash. I cashed a little bit more than min cash on that. Um, the the Texans air attack. I, I should clarify. I didn't have David Johnson. It was just Deshaun Cooks and Fuller. Um, so that basically got me to a to attorney a pretty decent attorney cash, and then my my actual cash lineup, I had Derrick Henry, and we were basically telling you you need Derrick Henry in cash, and he willed my cash lineup. Even with I had the injured Johnu Smith, he got hurt halfway through the game, and I still ended up making the cash line pretty pretty comfortably. So, uh, pretty decent week on on DraftKings for me as well. Yeah, we recommended Derrick Henry pretty heavily in cash, and that ended up being like a must play if you wanted to have a chance in cash games and go really high up in tournaments. Yeah. I mean, Ben, you also had a really great call on the Matt Ryan, Julio Jones bounce back games. That was a really good play there. Um, you know, the Kenny Galladay play, we're going to go back to the well this week. We'll get to that later, but the Jaguars just decided to maul him on every single play down the field and just eat the pass interference calls, but he still put up his usual 17 points. And then Ben, you also had a really nice call on Trey Burton, who uh, had a passing, who had a receiving touchdown and a rushing touchdown. So that ended up working out well for you too. So yeah, pretty good DFS week for us uh, overall, I'd say. The Colts' offense is just so weird, man. I saw Jack Doyle catch one too, and it's just like, is it really going to be all tight end production for like going forward? That's just nuts. Yeah, they Ty Hilton's pretty much iced out. It seems like, like he had a touchdown uh, the other week, but. They're kind of all over the place. They're going to be hard to predict going forward. It seems like. Yeah, maybe the maybe our Titans, or I'm sorry, your Titans rule should just switch over to the Colts because I have no idea what that team is doing any given week. Yeah, especially in DFS. And then uh, last but not least, we talked about it a little bit. Ben did win the AJ Brown versus Terry McLaurin gentleman's bet. Uh, he's up three one, but yeah, AJ Brown he uh, came away with a couple touchdowns. I guaranteed a Terry McLaurin touchdown didn't happen. I'm going to double down this week. He's going to score two <laughs> touchdowns. <laughs> He's going to score two. I also really like Terry this week, but we'll, we'll get into that. We, uh, before we get into the DFS though, by the way, there's timestamps in the description for all of this stuff. Uh, I don't bring that up as much as I should, but I do go through the care of, you know, putting fairly accurate timestamps in the, in the description. So uh, if you're looking for the DFS, just go look in that description and, and go click over to it. Cause I think we're going to go ahead and switch gears and talk about the world series for a second. And then we're going to get into the week seven DFS. We don't have very much to say because only three games have happened since the last time we recorded, but it is, it's two, one Dodgers. Now is the game officially over Aaron? Yep. It is two, one Dodgers. Nice, easy win for the Dodgers tonight. Not much stress. Well, I mean, I, I wish I could say I was surprised, but I'm not, I, uh, I didn't, I didn't tweet this out from the cash landing Twitter, but I did for my personal Twitter that, uh, 
if if it was completely up to me, I would put my entire bank account on the Dodgers on the series line. Um, I still certainly feel that way, especially with a 2-1 series lead. I mean, of course I would feel that way, but it, it's just felt like all year long, it was like, this is finally going to be the Dodgers year. Corey Seager is elite now, or I'm sorry, elite again. Mookie, they got Mookie Betts. The pitching is good enough, even with David Price opting out. It's just this 2020 roster might be the best roster of the entire decade of any team. And it just feels like, you know, they, it, if it was ever time for them to win, win one, it would be this year. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's going to take, just based on what we've seen so far in this series, I think it's going to take something pretty incredible from the Rays to actually get this to a game seven and be able to win this series. Look, I mean, they split games one and two. We both thought Glass now might have some trouble getting through this Dodger lineup, and we were correct. They did get through them second and third time through the order. Uh, Blake Snell had a nice little bounce back in game two, got him a must-win game there, but I really thought the game tonight was a pivotal game for the Rays. It was Charlie Morton versus Walker Bueller, probably the two best pitchers for each team. And look, the Morton buzzsaw that we saw in game seven versus the Astros, that was not the case tonight. He just left way too many pitches over the middle of the plate. The Dodgers made him pay. And then, you know, Walker Bueller was the dominant playoff pitcher that we've come to know over these years. The the blister was not a big factor tonight. It just feels like this year is a little different for the Dodgers. They look like they're playing with more confidence. They look like they're playing a little more relaxed. They're having more fun. I think they know this is their year, and I think it's going to take something crazy from the Rays to be able to win this series because it feels like all the Dodgers need these days is a decent outing from their starting pitching, and then their offense is just going to take care of business. Yeah, all that being said, they, uh, you know, the Rays are only down 2-1, and and they're, I, you know, I don't mean any of this as a slight to the Rays. They are a great team, top to bottom. They, they certainly deserve to to make it through the Astros as they did. Um, it's just that the Dodgers roster seems better in every aspect, and I don't, I don't see the way that the Rays do it. Uh, credit to R- Randy Orozarena, who today just tied the record for most postseason home runs as a rookie with eight. Um, that that's pretty nuts. And it's also a little upsetting for me because, you know, Randy Rosarena was kind of my guy for a while. And now he's, he's, he can no longer possibly be my guy. He is the entire world's guy. Exactly. Like, like I said, we made the joke that you were the Randy Rosarena whisperer and look, I mean, at least we did title that episode that because people can go back and see, wow, you were really on it before the whole world was because Man, ever since we made that joke on that one podcast, everything <laughs> is flipped. Like he is just completely like a household name now. So that's hilarious how we were on it. And then just like that, it just became a normal thing. And yeah, and I mean, I don't really mean it as a as a way to credit either you or I. We make these jokes all the time about, you know, <laughs> no name. I don't want to say no name players, but you know, players that aren't certainly aren't household names. We still joke about Kevin Pillar getting MVP votes constantly. And just, you know, uh, Randy Rosarena hitting left-handed pitchers became a joke until he began hitting absolutely everybody in the postseason. So, I mean, it's good to see from him. It's it's nice for baseball to get a new star. If I would be interested to see the line on the series when it it comes back out after the Dodgers took the 2-1 lead, because if it's anything, I mean, if the if the Dodgers odds are not like minus 700, I still think they're probably worth it. Yeah, it won't be out um, quite yet. They're they're minus one sixty six on the money line for the game tomorrow, 
So I don't know. That'll probably be out by the end of the podcast. So I can check on that as we get towards the end, if you remind me. But yeah, I mean, there, it's going to be a must win for Tampa tomorrow. But Julio Urias has been really good in this whole postseason. So it's going to be an uphill battle for the race tomorrow and for the rest of the series, I would say. Yeah, and I would also, I, I mean, the Rays are very good at manipulating their lineup to be able to hit both left-handed and right-handed pitching. I would definitely say that they have the advantage against righties, though. They have they they have the right-handed bats, but I'm I feel much more confident with Brandon Lau than Hunter Renfro, for example. But you know that's that's baked into the line and everything. You said minus one sixty, minus one sixty-six just for Game Four tomorrow. Yeah, uh, I mean I'm if 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 you had gone to my head and I had to had to bet on all of them, I'd probably take the Dodgers just to win out. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely feels like that's a possibility. If this thing gets wrapped up in five, I'm not going to be surprised. But if the Rays come back and force a game seven, that is emergency podcast territory for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, I'm about ready to start talking about some NFL if you are. Yeah, let's let, let's dive right into it with, with, with quarterback. And I guess, you know what, I'll just go ahead and start because we have – I have an obligatory Patrick Mahomes disclaimer to, to get out of the way. I'm not going to touch – Josh Allen or Russell Wilson at the top of this slate here. They're both too expensive. Patrick Mahomes is only $7,400. I I say only. That's still very expensive, but it's cheaper than Patrick Mahomes has been in the past. We're not going to highlight Mahomes too much, but just just know that every podcast going forward, Mahomes is always a good play. We just can't bring him up every single time. So at $7,400, Mahomes could definitely provide the most points at the quarterback position, but there's probably better value plays further down in the slate. Yeah, the thing about Mahomes this week is I'm u- I'm usually going to be on him, but then, I mean, the weather is going to be downright nasty in Denver. It's going to be 20 degrees, and there's a pretty good chance of a snowstorm like throughout the game with like heavy wind gusts. So, I mean, Mahomes could still get there just because he's Mahomes, but I just think there's too many high-scoring games on the slate to make a really strong, justified argument for Mahomes playing in a blizzard this week. And that, I don't know. That's just me, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that, that's fair. It's just uh, weather is is a thing that is so uncertain that, you know, there's a chance that game time rolls around and there's no snowstorm and you're kicking yourself. But not you specifically, but the people who are thinking that. Yeah, I guess, I guess the bigger thing would be just make sure you check the weather in the Denver game prior to kickoff is what we're ultimately saying. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem with recording on Friday night is yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to be less accurate than if we did it tomorrow. But regardless, Mahomes not in a snowstorm I think is actually a great play. Mahomes in a snowstorm, I could definitely see why you would want to fade it. Yeah, and then you said you're not touching Josh Allen or Russ. Um, I don't know. I could make the case for Russ, but... I would definitely um, agree with fading Allen there. And my favorite play of the week is not going to be Russ. It is going to be Kyler Murray at 7,100. Look, Kyler is my favorite high-priced QB this week. He's back at home in Arizona against a week 26th-ranked Seattle defense. This game has a total of 55.5, which is very high. Jamal Adams is out. All of Kyler weapons seem to be in. And Kyler has not gone below 24 drafting points all year long. I think he's going to be scrambling against the Seattle defense. I think he's going to be finding DeAndre Hopkins. Christian Kirk finally had a nice bounce-back game last week. Larry Fitzgerald is still alive out there catching passes for first downs. I just think Kyler Murray is in a really good spot to get 30 to 40 points here in this game, and 
he if I'm paying up for quarterback, I'm probably doing it for Kyler Murray. Yeah, I I have nothing negative to say about the Kyler Murray pick other than the price, obviously, but I I, I also think he will probably end up being value. Yeah, and if that price bothers you and you want to save one hundred dollars, my next favorite pay up guy is gonna be Aaron Rodgers at an even seven K this week. Look, I think there's a chance we see pissed off Aaron Rodgers this week, and we know pissed off Aaron Rodgers is a man you do not want to mess with. He goes from playing the number one defense in the league to the number 27-ranked Texans defense. I think this game could easily turn into a shootout. I really like Rodgers here if Aaron Jones is out, and it seems like Aaron Jones is going to be out. The Texans are 29th in adjusted sack rate which means Rodgers is going to have all day to pick apart this secondary. Devontae Adams is just another week healthier. Um, I just think Rodgers puts up a lot of points here. I think he has a big bump in the goal line usage or just the red zone usage in general just because there's not going to be the Aaron Jones rushing touchdowns that we've become accustomed to. So if I'm not paying up for Kyler, I think Rodgers is the only other guy I'm pivoting to way up here in this high high price range. Yeah, I definitely like the Rodgers play. and. Just I watched the entirety of the Titans Texans game last week, and it became very apparent that the Texans know that they cannot cover anybody in the air, I mean, or on the ground. But that was Derrick Henry, so I'll take it with a grain of salt. But the Texans, you know, were aware that they could not cover anybody in the air. I mean, when Deshaun lost the coin toss, and you just saw him just in complete disbelief that he knew that they lost the game right then and there when he lost the coin toss because there's no way the defense was stopping them. Aaron Rodgers is definitely going to pick this secondary apart. And I think the Green Bay running game has a good has a good day as well. I think just the entire Green Bay offense is probably in play, but uh, I totally agree on Aaron Rodgers. Uh, a guy that maybe a, is a tournament pivot off of those two guys. Uh, I do. I hit on Matt Ryan last week. I want to ask where Matt Ryan is on the on the is is Texas back scale. Um, Matt Ryan is more back than Texas because <laughs> Texas is terrible. Um, he is not as back as I don't know someone like like Steph Curry level against Portland that game. He dropped seventeen in overtime and he yelled, "I'm back." He's not that level back but he's more back than Texas. So yeah, I mean, that's where I put Matt Ryan. I don't know where you put him exactly. Man, that was a very niche example. I have no idea what you're talking about since I'm not a Golden State fan, but. Um, oh, don't I, act like, don't act like you don't remember the game where Steph Curry was out the whole postseason And then he came back for a game against Portland and scored 17 points in one overtime period and started yelling, I'm back at the Portland crowd. <laughs> I promise you, I don't remember. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure that was a great moment for you. I um, I don't. So he's sixty seven hundred dollars. I hit on him last week. I'm tempted to go back to the well, but I think I'm going to restrict it to tournaments. Um, Detroit has actually been like surprisingly good against quarterbacks this year in terms of fantasy points, but that's usually just because they're Detroit. That is 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 losing, and so the opposition is able to run the ball. Um, I think that Detroit is going to score on this Falcons defense, and therefore it might be a little bit of a shootout game. So maybe that gets reversed a little bit. 6,700 is a lot, but I think he'll be a low-owned option in tournaments for sure. Yeah, I, I don't hate that call. I definitely would recommend finding the 300 or 400 in cash to get up to Rodgers or Murray, but you you said you like it in tournaments, and I'm not going to hate it after you know what Matt Ryan did for you in tournaments last weekend, so you might be kind of on a roll with the Dan Quinless Matt Ryan. 
<laughs> the Dan Quinless. And speaking of that game, Matt Stafford is also only 6,500. So if you know if you're looking at the over on that on that game, which you probably should be, I think it's set at 57 or 55. Um, Matt Stafford is at 6,500. It's it's against the Atlanta secondary. Matt Stafford is obviously a talented quarterback. He didn't have a great last a week last week against Jacksonville when we sort of expected him to, but. Atlanta is just so bad defensively. I mean, he should absolutely throw two touchdowns in this game. So I like the I like the play, and I like the price enough, honestly, to to roll out Stafford and cash uh, occasionally. But I will also admit, I think I like the guy that Aaron's about to talk about in cash a little bit more. Oh man, that guy I'm about to talk about, Justin Herbert, making his debut on the cash landing pod as a recommended quarterback play. Look, we saw the Bengals last year. We saw them bomb for Burrow. We see the Jets out here tanking for Trevor. Oh, man, am I glad the Los Angeles Chargers decided to overdose on Sherbert for Justin Herbert last year because this man is the real deal, Ben. You, yeah, you've been, you've been impressed since basically the first snap he took in a, in a Chargers uniform. I've, I've watched a little. He, he seems very good at the deep balls for sure. Um, and he, he, doesn't, he doesn't make the mistakes that a, that a – I mean, he just, he seems like a gunslinger that isn't really making mistakes yet, which is basically, you know, all that team needs. So I'm, I, I agree that I've been impressed and at 6,400, I mean, he's been putting up fantasy points, so I can no longer argue with it. Yeah. So the thing about Herbert is he's, he seemed like a really good gunslinger because teams have been just throwing the all out blitz at him because he is a rookie quarterback and the chargers do have a bad banged up offensive line. So he's been having to just take the deep shots because that's what the defense has been giving him. But I also think he's perfectly capable of just like maneuvering an offense down the field in a very methodical drive and also take the deep balls um, when the defense is going to give them to him. Look, the Jaguars are dead last in adjusted sack rate this year, which means Herbert should finally have some time to throw. He's not going to be getting bum rushed on every single snap like he has been. I think he's going to be able to feast on this 32nd ranked uh, defense for the Jaguars. The Chargers are coming off a bye week. Their offensive line is a little healthier. They've got a healthy Keenan Allen, a healthy Mike Williams, Hunter Henry's ready to roll. I just think Herbert's a really safe play here at 6,400, and I think he's got uh, four or five touchdown upside if the Jaguars manage to stay in the game here. Yeah, I mean, even as I say it, I can't believe I'm saying it, but I think that Justin Herbert is the play this week, which is just nuts. If if you were like me and you have some reservations about Justin Herbert just because of who he is and, and what the Chargers are, uh, I could interest you in two cheaper options who I think have pretty high floors in cash, one of which is Drew Brees at 6,100. Uh, Drew Brees has actually had a surprisingly high floor with the absence of Michael Thomas. He hasn't gone under 15 DraftKings points except for week one where he had 14. So um, he's also going against the Panthers and I just I want to I want to sincerely challenge any of the listeners who are not Panthers fans or you Aaron actually. I don't know if I don't know if you know this or not. We didn't talk about this. I challenge you to name a single defensive player on the Carolina Panthers. Just one. I mean, do they still have Trey Boston? You have your whole Trey Boston theory. I do like Trey Boston. I have no clue if he's a starting safety for the Panthers. <laughs> I just don't know anymore. <laughs> But I mean, they don't have Keekley. They got rid of James Bradbury. Every name that you remember from the Panthers is gone, and that defense has been okay. But they have no star power, and Drew Brees and the and Sean Payton can certainly pick apart a defense like that. So I definitely like Drew Brees at the sixty one hundred dollar range. That game is supposed to be a shootout. It has a high total. Um, I also like Gardner Minshew at fifty nine hundred. 
Aaron seems to think that the Chargers are getting healthy on both sides of the ball and the bye week is going to provide those few extra days of rest. It's really going to show up on the on the defensive side as well as offensive. Most of the time, I definitely defer to his judgment on Los Angeles Chargers related matters, but I think I would be a bad host if I just let his fan goggles cloud both of our vision. I think that Gardner Minshew is a safe and cheap cash play who should put up 20 DraftKings points against a middle-of-the-road 14th-ranked past DVOA Los Angeles Chargers team. And especially if we do think that Herbert is going to come across and score some points, then Gardner should be throwing when the team is behind. Yeah, the Chargers are very good at uh, giving up leads and letting teams back in the game. So, yeah, you mentioned it. If the Chargers do get to get out to the lead that I expect them to, they are certainly the perfect team for a garbage time Gardner to put up some points here against. So I don't hate that call, but Ben, <laughs> I'm going to recommend someone. I'm sure you're not going to back me on this one, but it's going to be Kyle Allen here at 5,200 going up against the, the Dallas Cowboys. Look, my man, Ryan Fitzpatrick tragically lost his job to Tua this week. So there's an emotional void that I need to fill in my heart. And that emotional void is my cheap tournament QBs. And my cheap tournament QB this week is going to be Kyle Allen. Look, he's going up against the Cowboys' disaster of a defense, specifically disaster of a secondary. I honestly believe Kyle Allen and the football team are going to put up points here. If he throws for four touchdowns and 350 yards this week against this terrible defense, I am not going to be shocked. And there are just so many high-priced running backs and high-priced wide receivers that I really, really like this week that I I am going to be starting a couple tournament lineups with the Kyle Allen, Terry McLaurin stack at a pretty cheap price just because I honestly think it could be the move this week. But uh, I don't expect you to agree. But look, I, I did it with Fitz, and I'm, I'm going back to the well here with Kyle Allen. I, I mean, I was kind of making fun of you for, for Fitz, but that was mostly just for the meme. I don't think Kyle Allen is a very good quarterback, and I don't think you do either. But I, I I agree with your reasoning, and I have no problem throwing Kyle Allen in, in a tournament, especially with the Terry McLaurin stack, because you're right. I mean, there there is a, a distinct possibility Terry McLaurin catches two touchdowns, and there's so many prime pay-up candidates on the rest of the slate that we're about to get into. We're about to dive into running back here, and and you know Alvin Kamara is at the top there, and you, I, you basically need him this week that... I, I don't hate a Kyle Allen tournament lineup at all. And honestly, I'll probably be rolling one out myself. Yeah. I mean, just give it a try. Just like, you don't have to lock it in, but like just play around with lineups and see what it looks like. Because like I did it and I just made a lineup to where, Oh man, if Kyle Allen actually throws three touchdowns with the rest of this lineup, I am going to be very happy with where I'm looking in tournaments. So yeah, I mean, that's just my thought process there. 5,200. I, I think he has the upside there. Yeah, and, and with that, we can move on to running back because I just I just talked about Alvin Kamara. He's 7,900 this week, and this one is self-explanatory. I mean, he's the only weapon the Saints even have left. The Carolina defense is absolutely horrible against the run. They're 31st in points allowed to running back this season. Um, it's just I think you're locking and loading Kamara in cash in tournaments everywhere you can fit him, and if you can't fit him, you should probably try and make some room. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, you nailed it. Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders both out this week. The Panthers have just been getting torched by running backs all year. I mean, there's honestly a chance Alvin Kamara catches like 12 passes in this game. And then he's going to be the guy, you know, in the red zone. He's going to be their entire offense. So, yeah, I mean, just find the money for him and just make it work, especially in cash. 
Yeah, and you know, if 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 Aaron Jones at seventy two hundred, we're just gonna go ahead and transition onto him. If he wasn't questionable, and it it honestly sounds a little doubtful that he's gonna play. If he wasn't questionable next week, I would say that Aaron Jones is a great cash and tournament pivot where maybe you could get away with not having Kamara, but he is questionable. It seems like he might not even play because the Packers are notoriously cautious with with soft tissue injuries like what he has. So if he plays, I think he's a premium play for the week and you can maybe even get away with not playing Kamara or maybe you want to go super cheap and get both of them. But I'm sorry, go super cheap at other positions and get both of them. Um, so if he plays, I, I'm 100% locking and loading him against the Houston defense that can't stop anybody. And if he doesn't, I'm probably going to scoop up all of the Jamal Williams and just roll out uh, Jamal Williams against the Texans defense. Man, I was heartbroken when I saw that Aaron Jones got hurt in practice on Thursday and now seems pretty doubtful for this game because, I mean, I just talked about I was playing around with the Kyle Allen lineup and I had the Kyle Allen lineup with Alvin Kamara and Aaron Jones in there with still some good wide receivers. And it just looked so good because I envisioned Kamara and Aaron Jones both putting up 40 for me in the same lineup. But yeah, some things are just too good to be true. It doesn't seem like Jones is going to be available here, but if he's active, he's a great play. So, I mean, I just think that's, that's the extent of the analysis there. Yeah. Luckily running back is pretty deep this week and there's even some, some very good value plays that we'll get to. Um, yeah, when, when, when we get down there, but the next guy I have on here is Kareem Hunt at 6,800. Look, the Browns and the Bengals already played this year and they played in week two. Kareem Hunt put up 25 DraftKings points and that was when Nick Chubb was healthy and they were in a timeshare. Kareem Hunt did that on, on pretty limited usage. Um, both of those running backs had monster days. That was when the, the Browns offense kind of woke up and we, we all went, Oh, maybe Kevin Stefanski, you know? Maybe he brought over the running back success from from all of his previous tenures, but both the running backs had monster days in week two. The the Bengals defense doesn't really look like they can stop them. I think a freed Kareem Hunt is just going to be worth this sort of premium pricing near 7,000, and he should definitely catch plenty of passes out of the backfield here. So I really like Kareem Hunt at 6,800. Yeah, I'm with you here on the Kareem Hunt play. Look, we know the Browns have to run the ball to be successful they, they have to establish the run to free up Baker in the play-action game and just to keep the pass rush out of his face. We know the Cincinnati run defense is absolutely nothing to be afraid of. Kareem Hunt is an elite, real-life running back. So, yeah, I mean, 6,800 6, seems a little steep, but I am with you here on the Kareem Hunt play. He's got plenty of upside and a very solid floor. Yeah, and then there's Mike Davis right below him at 6600 which I still think is probably $500 too cheap because they're using him like McCaffrey, and you can almost treat him like he's McCaffrey. Um, the Saints aren't a great matchup, but you know Mike Davis has put up 20 fantasy points in every game except for the last week against the Bears, who are just on a different level defensively than New Orleans is. So Davis at 6600 I think, is pretty safe for cash. I think the, the ceiling might not be there, but, but in cash, I, I definitely have no problem with it. Yeah, I think he's very safe. I do think the Panthers move the ball this week. Uh, he's always got the chance to fall into the end zone once or twice. So very safe play there. Uh, I'd probably lean Kareem Hunt on the upside. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, Mike Davis has been getting all the usage. So certainly a very good option there at a pretty deep running back position. Um, look, no one's going to play three-name Clyde this week because they are going to be a little worried about the Le'Veon Bell um, arrival, which is a decent reason to be worried. I don't think Le'Veon Bell is going to see a huge workload right off the bat for multiple reasons. Um, one of the reasons being 
I think Clyde is better than Le'Veon Bell. Another reason being he was signed pretty recently. He only has two or three practices with the team. There's no reason for this elite offense just to roll him out there when he might not have a full grasp of what they're trying to do or a full grasp of the playbook. So I think Clyde is a very good bet to still get 20-plus touches this week. I mentioned the possible blizzard, which could lead to you know them trying to run the ball a lot. It's not an ideal matchup versus the Broncos. I'm not really recommending Clyde here a ton as like a must play or anything, but I think he's a sneaky tournament play who's going to go overlooked because people are worried about Le'Veon Bell, and I don't think that is too much to be concerned about this week specifically. Yeah, and if you have Clyde in season long, like I do, I have Clyde in in many leagues. If you have Clyde in your season long formats, he's still definitely a flex play for this week. Um, I, you know, you're definitely not taking him out of your lineup for anybody like Justin Jackson or something like that. I mean, that's where my roster kind of is, and and I know that some people would be hitting the panic button when Le'Veon Bell came over, and and you should definitely not do that yet, at least until Le'Veon Bell proves something, um, because it's not like he was doing much with the Jets, but. I uh, I made a little last minute addition here, and that's Jared McKinnon at fifty eight hundred. Raheem Mostert is out, and when Raheem Mostert is out, I sort of have a rule that I always play Jared McKinnon because he catches a lot of passes when that's the case. So I'm gonna fire him up again, fifty eight hundred. The good thing about this week is that I mean, so the the Patriots are good against the run, but Jeff Wilson is also questionable with a calf strain. So there's a a fairly decent shot that it's just completely Jared McKinnon's backfield this week. And that is a super valuable proposition with the 49ers where I think the 49ers are sort of matchup proof on the ground. I don't care how good your run defense is. Kyle Shanahan's going to scheme around you. And so I like McKinnon at 5,800. Yeah, I kind of like it. I don't love it. There's been some Jermichael hasty talk, which I don't know how much credibility we can give that, but we do know Kyle Shanahan does like to mix in uh, multiple running backs, if at all possible. Um, I just feel like we're kind of paying a premium here. Just, for a backup running back because we do have options like Gio Bernard and Jamal Williams who are backup running backs who are going to get a full workload and they're much cheaper but those guys don't have the Kyle Shanahan run scheme that you talked about so I think it's fair but I'm not sure he has the upside at that price specifically to go and win you a tournament but I mean it's it's pretty safe just because it is a lead running back in the 49ers run game. Yeah, there's a, I, I wrote down sort of three safe plays here. I think McKinnon is safe. I think Devin Singletary at the same price is safe. And I think Melvin Gordon at 5,500 is also pretty safe. Um, Singletary finally got his single carry and established himself as, as RB1 definitively in that Bills backfield. They're playing the Jets. They should you know be winning all game and be running the ball all over the New York Jets. And by the way, Devin Singletary is number one in the NFL in average yards after contact. I mean, this dude does not go down, and the Jets' defense is not very good. Melvin Gordon at 5,500, um, his value suppressed a little bit because he was hurt last week, and Philip Lindsay got all the got all the touches. But I mean, Melvin Gordon's a certified dude who can put up 100 yards and catch a lot of passes against any sort of team. Philip Lindsay didn't do anything last week that makes me scared. Melvin Gordon lost his job or anything, and at 5,500, it's a pretty good price. So I sort of like all three of these plays just as a as a fill in in cash. These might be more flex options than RB1 or RB2, but um, I, I, I still think that's valuable. And I'm probably playing all three of them over tight ends in that range. I think the only wide receiver I'd play over those guys is Terry McLaurin. Yeah, out of those three that you just mentioned, I think my favorite is actually Devin Singletary. Um, he's got a he's got a, he's in a sneaky good spot there, like you mentioned. I think people are just going to overlook him. 
because there's just a lot of flashy high name running backs that we talked about. And then there's some really cheap uh, backup running backs that are getting a full workload. So I think single carry goes overlooked here. And I actually do, the more I look at it, the more I think he has a pretty sneaky tournament play, especially if you mentioned, if you just happen to land on $5,800 left in your flex spot, I think that's a pretty good option there in tournaments and in cash, actually, the more I think about it. But another sneaky running back that I think is uh, probably tournament only it's going to be Justin Jackson running back for the Chargers this week. He's $4,900. He's good to go this week. He has the questionable tag, but they, they seem to think he's good to go. He was banged up to start the year with a quad injury, which led to Josh Kelly getting a lot of touches early in the year. But look, Justin Jackson is back. And as someone who has watched every single Chargers snap this year, Justin Jackson right now is the better running back between he and Josh Kelly. Uh, last time they played on Monday Night Football versus the Saints, he had 15 carries and six targets. So I think the Chargers could be ahead in this game against Jacksonville. I think if they are trying to ice the clock late and kind of run the ball in the fourth quarter, I think it's going to be Justin Jackson getting the carries. So I do think he has 25-point upside here. It's a real nice price, and I think he's going to get really low ownership, especially with the guy you're about to talk about um, getting most of, if not all, of the ownership in this range specifically. Yeah, you know, you completely talked me out of this guy after I wrote him down, but I'll still go over it anyways. Kenyon Drake at 4,800. I mean, he's still the the RB1 in this offense. Chase Edmonds hasn't done anything the last – or I'm sorry, he didn't do anything last week specifically. And I know that Seattle is decent against the run, but if, if Drake is going to be cheaper than his backup, which he is, and coming off of a 170 scrimmage yard two-score game against Dallas last week, then – you know, the price is, is hard to avoid. And so I, I think he will be chalky the same way Aaron does. And I think the Cardinals try and keep him on track and maybe even keep trying to feed him. Um, but there's just a lot of low end running back upside on this slate where there's so many cheap guys to take. And in cash, I like Gio Bernard better, who I'm going to let Aaron talk about. But I also think that Kenyon Drake has the opportunity to break this slate the same way he broke the last one. Yeah, I'm I'm just hoping Kenyon Drake is chalky here because I do also think it's a little bit of a trap just off a great game versus the Dallas defense. It's certainly another good matchup for him, but I'm just going to go with Kyler instead and just hope Drake doesn't have it this week because I, I just don't still see it eye test-wise from Kenyon Drake. I do love Gio Bernard, like uh, Ben talked about. This is going to be Gio's backfield this week. It's a matchup versus the Browns that is uh, okay, not spectacular, but... The Browns pass rush should be getting to Joe Burrow here with the terrible Bengals offensive line. That's going to lead to a lot of dump offs to Gio Bernard. I think he racks up the catches here. If they do get down on the goal line, it's going to be Gio Bernard getting those carries. So he's got a chance to fall into the end zone. So $4,500, I think he's really safe in cash and he does have tournament upside at that price specifically. So yeah, I really like the Alvin Kamara, Gio Bernard uh, cash game combination if that's how you want to go this week. Yeah, and just a, a quick reminder before we head into wide receivers, Jamal Williams is, is $4,000 if Aaron Jones is out. Uh, that's a pretty good tournament option. I think that's even a good cash option, honestly, but um, I probably wouldn't play him over over Bernard unless the money really worked out like that, and I loved every other part of my lineup. Uh, paying $500 for that Gio Bernard security seems like the way to go if you're if you're debating those two guys. Yeah, I mean, the only reason I had tournament options is because we don't know the whole A.J. Dillon factor. But uh, it'll, it'll probably be mostly Jamal Williams, especially if, you know, Rodgers looking to throw. We know Williams is definitely the better pass-catching guy, but 
just without, you know, this could be a good opportunity for them to free AJ Dillon, their second round pick. So that's the only reason I'm a little scared of Jamal Williams, but I mean, at 4k, he's not going to kill you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and with that, we can move on to wide receiver because I'm going to continue the trend of recommending Packers with Devontae Adams at 7,900. Uh, if you somehow manage to find this amount of money for Devontae Adams, I think he's a lock for two touchdowns and 100 yards against this Texan secondary. Uh, I am not afraid of, of Bradley Roby. As I said last week, Bradley Roby as your number one corner does not scare me. A.J. Brown just caught two touchdowns on him. Devontae Adams is probably going to do the same. Yeah, Devontae Adams is a really good play this week. Another really expensive wide receiver, but, I mean, he can't be ignored because he's in a great spot, is going to be DeAndre Hopkins at 8,200. Look, 8,200 for a wide receiver, that is certainly uh, tough to stomach, but this guy is in a dream spot this week. So if you're making a really unique lineup, maybe you're rolling out Gio Bernard and Jamal Williams, and you're just going to try to go crazy at wide receiver and quarterback. Man, the Kyler Murray-DeAndre Hopkins stack is in about as good of a spot as possible against the Seattle secondary at home in Arizona this week. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, it's, there's no analysis needed with DeAndre Hopkins. He's going to eat every target and catch every ball. Yeah, I agree. And uh, if you want to possibly make a game stack there and you can afford DK Metcalf somehow, he is also in a great spot. Look, Russell Wilson's going to be out there doing Russell Wilson things. Um, the Arizona defense has been playing decent this year, but a matchup against the Seattle offense is a whole different monster, especially DK Metcalf, who's just an athletic freak. He can score touchdowns on any given play. He can score multiple touchdowns in the same game. 200 yards is never out of the question. So yeah, DK Metcalf is a great tournament play. And Ben, I forgot to mention at the top when we uh, broke down the slate, but it's a little interesting this week because this uh, Seattle versus Arizona game got moved to the Sunday night football game, but they kept it on the main slate. So that means we have Sunday night football on the main slate this week, and it's actually a game with a really intriguing total and a lot of great plays. So it's kind of a fun wrinkle to the slate this week. Yeah, it seems like it might even be more chalky than usual for that because I think people might you know, want to have a reason to root for something in the, in the late slate. Pro- probably not, you know, not super significant, but I could definitely see that being the case. Um. As far as, especially with like, you know, low dollar entries where people, you know, people are more in there to have fun than to make a bunch of money. But mm-hmm. um, Julio Jones is 7,100, right? Right below DK Metcalf. I mean, he's back. I said that I would give him one more week. And if he didn't show me, then I would finally write him off. And instead he went out and scored, you know, nearly 40, ne- almost put up a 40 burger. So I'm back in for sure on both him and, and Matt Ryan. I think he's $500 cheaper than what he normally would be. Uh it's against the Detroit Lions, who we have been targeting all year. Uh, we kept talking about their dead last defensive DVOA. Um, I would play Julio Jones over Ridley this week, and Ridley's more expensive, so I, I think I'm pretty in on Julio at 7,100. But there's just so many options up here that it's it's hard to – I mean, it's going to be super hard to find two of them. It's hard enough to justify picking which one you like. Yeah, it's tough, but I think Julio is definitely in consideration. Um Look, I think we got to go back to the well here on Kenny Galladay. He's at 6700 The price is slowly climbing up on our boy here, but I still don't think the price is high enough versus uh, matchup versus Atlanta here in a dome. He's been weirdly consistent. He's scored exactly 17 points in all three games that he's been active this year. I'm going to take the over on 17 this week. I think this is maybe the, finally the week. I know I've been saying it every single podcast, but 
I do, I do think he goes for over 100 yards and a touchdown this week. He could potentially go for 150 yards and two touchdowns against Atlanta. I just think Matt Stafford is going to continue to target him. I think the deep balls have been there. He's just got to connect on them. So, yeah, I'm going to go back to the well here on Kenny Galladay. Yeah, I want to point out that uh, that Tyreek Hill is $6,400 below Galladay. Um, you're going to want to keep an eye on the weather. Obviously, we've already talked about this. He got locked up by Trey White last week, which, you know, I mean, it's Trey White. It happens to the best of us, but um, you could potentially capitalize on that and the suppression of the price due to the weather if um, – you know, if, if it, if come Sunday, it looks like there's not going to be a huge snowstorm, then Tyree kill at 6,400 is, is pretty insane, pretty insane value. It happens to the best of us. Yeah. We, we've all been locked up by Trey White. We all know the feeling, you know, it's tough. I mean, if you, if you haven't, you probably know somebody who has, <laughs> uh, look, my favorite wide receiver on the slate this week is probably going to be Keenan Allen at 6,200. Call me a Homer. All you want. Keenan Allen is Keenan Allen. Okay. Do it. <laughs> You, you homer. I am a homer. Keenan Allen is in a great spot this week. Um, he had a couple back spasms last week after pulling a Gronk spike and uh, scoring a touchdown against the Saints last week. That was actually pretty funny and vintage Chargers and actually probably cost him the game. So I probably shouldn't be laughing that he got hurt and didn't play the rest of the game after doing a Gronk spike. But luckily he had a bye week. So I think his back is good to go here. He's got a dream matchup versus the Jaguars. I mentioned how Herbert is going to have time to throw. That means he's going to have time to find Keenan Allen and his elite routes. Uh, Look, Keenan Allen is a great cash game play. He's a great tournament play. There was that game last year versus Houston where he had like 14 catches and 200 yards. I'm kind of getting vibes of that game here. I think he has a chance to put up around 170 yards in this game. I love Keenan Allen this week. I had no idea about the back spasms thing. I, I I never saw that. That is so funny. He got hurt spiking the football on the first drive of the game. Oh God, that's good. Yeah, I don't know. This to me, this this feels like it might just be that classic Chargers game where Aaron is just super excited and thinks the team is going to be so dominant because I've seen this movie so many times before. And then Anthony Lynn just sends it all crashing down around him. But you know, I, I guess we're going to see. I don't hate the Keenan Allen play. I certainly don't like it as much as you do, but but that's all right. It's, it's possible. It's possible that happens, but I, I, I really like him this week. I can't deny, I can't deny what I feel. I can't hide my feelings. <laughs> but right, you got a, you got another guy. Right yeah. Right yeah. I got, I got Robbie Anderson, uh, $200 cheaper than Keenan Allen. Look, I talked about how this game uh, is going to be high scoring. I think between the Panthers and the saints, the Panthers are in a dome here against, uh, against new Orleans and their shaky defense. Robbie Anderson has shown the big play upside uh, all year long. I think he could be low-owned because I do think a lot of people are going to like Keenan Allen and people are going to love Terry McLaurin right below Robbie Anderson. So I think Robbie Anderson is a low-owned tournament pivot off of Chalk Terry, and uh, he could put up a lot of points this week in a possibly high-scoring matchup. Yeah, I mean, Aaron mentioned it. There's one guy that I think we both agree on the most this week, and that's Terry McLaurin at 5,900. I think I don't maybe he's not going to be as chalky as as maybe you think he is because I I wasn't looking at him as a super chalk option just because I don't think people trust Kyle Allen very much but at 5900 Terry McLaurin finally 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 gets his first decent matchup that he's had in like three or four weeks I mean he had Jalen Ramsey Marlon Humphrey and James Bradbury on him week week to week to week 
which is just nuts. And he still put up, you know, fairly decent production there. But this definitely is primed to be the Terry McLaurin breakout week for sure. Yeah, I love Terry this week. I I, I really, really think he is going to be chalk. So I don't know. I mean, if there's a gentleman's bets in the card here, just as far as ownership, then I'll be interested in that because uh, that's a that's a weak gentleman's bet. I don't. That's yeah. I mean, that's just me trying to grasp at my three one deficit <laughs> is what it is. But I I do think Terry is chalk this week, and I think he's good chalk. I don't think he's bad chalk. I'm not. I'm certainly not going to fade him. I'm going to take part in this chalk and play him in all my cash lineups for sure. Oh, how the mighty have fallen! Juju Smith Schuster is at fifty five hundred dollars. Um, to me, it feels like people are sort of overreacting to Chase Claypool a little bit. I mean, I saw some some uh, Pittsburgh fans have an argument on Twitter that Claypool is now wide receiver one and he's going to be Calvin Johnson. And all right, wide receiver one is definitely still Juju. Um, two weeks do not change that. And this is a very good price and a decent matchup for a premium player who, when the season started, we all agreed he was a top 25 receiver. Yeah, I don't hate it. Uh, I'm about to get to Deontay Johnson, who I probably like a little more here in a second. But before that, I do want to mention Mike Williams at 4,700. If you want to get exposure to the Chargers passing game that is not Keenan Allen, uh, you can go Mike Williams at 4,700. It's obviously a really cheap price. He has a nice connection with Justin Herbert and can score multiple touchdowns here. He's a big red zone threat. So, yeah, I think Mike Williams is a decent pivot if you don't like Keenan Allen for some reason, which means you're probably crazy. But... (laughs) <laughs> I mentioned Deontay Johnson at 4,200. I really like Deontay Johnson besides the fact that every time we recommend Deontay Johnson, he gets hurt in the first quarter. So if you want to fade him for that reason alone, I can't argue with you and I completely understand. But like Ben said, the Claypool usage has been a lot. There's a chance he comes back down to earth. And look, Claypool was getting all that usage mostly because Deontay Johnson was out Deontay Johnson is back in. He was the wide receiver two on this team before Claypool, before he got hurt and Claypool took over. I mean, in the they run a lot of three wide receiver sets. Deontay Johnson is going to be back on the field here, and I don't see any reason why he can't be old Deontay Johnson, who we really liked coming into the year and early in the year after his first couple of games. So 4,200, I actually think is a really nice tournament play where a lot of the attention could be going to Claypool and uh, cheap Juju, like Ben mentioned. So... I don't know. What do you think about Deontay here at 4,200 besides the fact that he'll, he'll probably die in the first quarter like he usually does? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm baking a lot of injury risk into the, into the price here just because I want to see him healthy for a week before I, I know what I'm doing. But I, I, I completely agree that Deontay Johnson looked like I test wise, he looked like a real good NFL receiver who ran good routes and was very explosive when he was healthy and on the field. I might want to see it for a week. I am I am absolutely not opposed to throwing him in tournaments because he has a 100-yard upside for sure. Somebody else who I think has a 100-yard upside, though, is going to be Marquez Valdez-Scantling this week for only $100 less. Uh, there's no Alan Lazard on this team, so MVS is going to be the number two receiver. Uh, he might be number three in, in terms of targets behind uh the big tight end as well or i'm sorry is tanyan out this week or is he questionable he's questionable it seems like it's gonna be a game time call we should keep an eye on it all right well then mvs is either going to be number three or number two in the on the pecking order in this offense and it's against the texan secondary who i just watched not be able to stop a single thing so uh i'm definitely going to target the secondary for the rest of the year mvs is going to get some ownership from from me for sure at 4100 
this is extremely cheap for somebody who's going to see so much usage against such a bad defense. Yeah, I don't hate the call there. Um, I think it definitely is sneaky. I'm going to go with uh, Traquan Smith at an even 4,000 here. Look, I already mentioned it. Both Mike Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders are out this week, which means Traquan Smith is the only legitimate wide receiver going to be left on the field for uh, Drew Brees. He's going to play every single snap. He's probably going to get some pretty good volume here against a Panthers defense that is average at best. He's a good option here at 4K. I don't see him breaking the slate. I don't see him dropping 40. I don't see him doing anything crazy. But if he scores a touchdown and has 80 yards, that is very good at 4K. And uh, I definitely think it's in the realm of possibility here. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I have I have no problem with Traquan Smith, and we already saw him catch two touchdowns when both those guys were out. Uh, one of these one of these recent weeks, I think it was two weeks ago. Um, yeah. so yeah, I mean, with that we can move on to tight end. I think we differ on tight end here. I only really like two tight ends on this slate, and we have both of the names down already. But uh, I'll let you go ahead and take tight end because uh, I'm just not loving the I'm not loving it this week. Yeah, I mean, the four guys that I was looking for, are the four guys that we have written down, which I mean, lately I've really liked like nobody at tight end. So to actually have four guys that I actually do believe in all four of them this week, uh, that's that's music to my ears. I actually am going to be able to differentiate and have some guys I actually believe in beside, as opposed to guys I'm just crossing my fingers and hoping they cannot kill my lineup. And the first guy is going to be Hunter Henry at 4,500. Look, I know I've spent almost half the podcast talking about Charger skill position players, but uh, I can't skip over Hunter Henry who – has a really nice connection with Justin Herbert. He's going to be open. He's a really safe, good cash game option. He's going to get like six catches. He's going to have some yards, and he has a very good shot at scoring a touchdown, I think. So I don't think you can ignore Hunter Henry at 4,500. Also, can I mention you and uh, can I interest you in Jared Cook at 4,300 for a lot of the similar reasons that I like Traquan Smith maybe? Yes, actually. Jared Cook was the was the second guy that I really liked this week. I um. I mean, Jared Cook gets overlooked, but he's now the second option in this offense, and it's not really close. It goes Kamara and then Cook. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the the Saints have nobody else to throw to. The total in the game is super high. The Panthers are not going to be able to stay on him if they want to contain Kamara and the and the wide receivers. So at 4,300, I definitely think Cook has two touchdown upside and, and could pro- could provide some serious value for sure. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be mixing in Jarrett Cook in every format. Um, Another guy that I really like this week is going to be Darren Fells. He is the tight end for the Houston Texans. He put up 14 and 20 points respectively in his last two games with Jordan Aikens out. Aikens looks like he's going to be out again. So I think I'm ready to go back to the well here on Fells. Um, The Green Bay pass rush is pretty good, and the uh, Texans offensive line is pretty not good. So Watson is going to have a hard time getting the ball down the field, even though we know that doesn't mean he necessarily is just going to dump it off. That probably means he's just going to hold onto the ball and eat the sack, which is unfortunate for that offense most of the time. But if he does decide to check it down, he's going to be doing it to Darren Fells. Fells has been getting the ball down the field also a little bit lately. He's got a little bit of big playability. So I do like Darren Fells this week, uh, assuming Aikens is out yet again. Yeah, it's nuts. I mean, I watch a lot of Texans because I'm like a recovering Texans fan, sort of. I just, whatever. I can't watch that stupid team anymore. But um, I still watch a lot of those games. And the Darren Fells is like six foot eight. I mean, he is a he's a red zone target if there ever was one. And he just has this weird knack of 
of being put in a route in which there is no defender within 40 yards of him. It's not like he has good straight line speed, but it seems like maybe 10 times a year, he just catches the ball in the flat and there is no defender within 40 yards and he just gets to go run. So I could definitely see that happening again. Uh, he, I, I will admit he is not the, the second one that I liked this week. I like Jared cook and I like Dalton Schultz at 3,900. Um, Dalton Schultz, the Cowboys tight end. We talked a few weeks ago about how the the football team defense is pretty good. Like generally it's, it's a, it's a decent defense, but they just can't seem to cover a tight end at all. They're still ranked 31st against tight ends on the year. Uh, Andy Dalton may not be a perfect quarterback, but he can certainly hit a tight end. I mean, he's an NFL caliber quarterback and Dalton Schultz still had five targets last week, even when they were just trying to, I mean, the offense got nothing going last week and Schultz still had five targets. So I think it's a pretty safe cash play. Uh, I think maybe the the ceiling isn't there in the way in the way it is for Cook, but um, if I'm going cheap at tight end, I'm probably going for Dalton Schultz. Yeah, I was with you on Dalton Schultz. If you didn't list him, I was going to. So, yeah, Andy Dalton did seem to have a little bit of a connection with him. He does seem to be pretty effective out there when he does get the ball. So, yeah, I'm with you on Schultz. But uh, yeah, man, I'm ready to put our money where our mouth is with some of these bets. I mean, this is where we make our fake money, Ben. Like, this is this is where the action happens. <laughs> yep, just to recap, we get we give ourselves a $500 weekly allowance of fake money to bet. Um, we're, we talked about it at the beginning of the, of the episode of the pod. We are up $1,600 on the year now. So I'm going to let Aaron go ahead and start it off. But we, uh, we're doing pretty good. If you, if you really like some bet that we that we explain and you really like the explanation, you didn't think of it yourself, feel free to tail it. We would love to hear the, the success story. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to tail it, let us know on Twitter at Cash Landing Pod so we can uh, you know, cheer it on extra hard to get our listeners a little bit of money. Uh, man, looking over all these picks we have listed, we are turning into some teaser and some parlaying fools, Ben, but we have been very hot on the teasers and parlays, so no reason to stop now. So uh, without further ado, I will start with my first bet, which is going to be a two-team, six-point teaser. I'm going to take the Chargers down to minus one and a half against the Jaguars, and I'm going to take the Lions all the way up to plus eight against the Falcons. So this is going to be minus 120, your standard six-point teaser. I'm going to bet 120 to win 100. Look, I know the Falcons looked good last week, um, free of Dan Quinn, but they're still um, not a very good team. The Lions are five spots better than them on DVOA this year. I just I do agree with that. I think the Lions are just the better team. I'm not scared to fade Atlanta coming off a good game last week. I just I don't see the Lions losing by more than a touchdown here. So I really like the idea of getting plus eight for the Lions here. And then look, I'm doing something I rarely do this week, which is I'm going all in on my own Chargers. Am I worried the buffoon with the headset is going to cost me here a little bit? Do I think it's actually going to happen this week? No. I do think the Chargers win this game. They're healthy. They're coming off a bye. They're better on both sides of the ball. I really like Justin Herbert. I trust him to win this game that he's supposed to win. So uh, that's going to be my first bet here. Oh, man. I mean, I, I like both of those picks. I really hope that your Chargers don't make you even more sad than they could just by losing the game with no other incentive. Um. I'm going to start with my simplest bet. Actually, I only have one straight bet on the week, so I'm just going to go ahead and start with that. Um, I'm going to take the 49ers money line over the New England Patriots this week. This is going to be an old school ground and pound game. The 49ers are the number one run defense in the NFL right now. Cam Newton still sort of cannot throw a football. I mean, 
physically he can, but <laughs> if if we're talking perfectionist standards, he he sort of can't. Uh, the Patriots are just running a lot of sort of read option, letting Cam do what Cam does. And I think that the 49ers, if there's any team equipped to stop it, it's going to be them. I'm going to take Kyle Shanahan over Bill Belichick in the offensive running scheme. And I'm going to bet $100 to win 115 on the 49ers who are technically underdogs. Yeah, uh, I can't say that I love it just because, man, the Patriots' backs are against the wall here. If they lose this one, the season is pretty much done for them as far as playoff hopes go. But if they win it, they're still alive. So I think they're kind of they're in a backs against the wall spot. So I don't hate it, but I also don't love it. So hopefully that works out for you. My next one is going to be a two-team money line parlay, and it's going to be the Cleveland Browns and the Green Bay Packers, both just to win outright. I'm going to bet $180 to win $240 here. Look, I think the Browns are a pretty simple team to break down this year. You can back them against bad teams and teams with little pass rush. Well, they're playing the Cincinnati Bengals this week, who are 29th in overall DVOA, and they're 28th in adjusted sack rate. So my formula checks out, Ben. My math equation works out. Um, Hunt has a good day on the ground here, I think. I think Baker does have time to find OBJ and Jarvis down the field here for some big plays, probably in the play-action game. And I think no Joe Mixon hurts the Bengals' offense overall. And then as far as the Packers go, I'm not going to bail on the Packers after a loss to a Tampa team that I really like. Going from the fast, athletic Tampa Bay defense to the Texans' defense – I mean, Rodgers is going to feel like there's 10 guys on the field for the Texans defense going from that team to this team here. So, yeah, I think the Packers offense puts up 35-plus here, even without Aaron Jones. I think the Green Bay pass rush does give Deshaun Fitz all day. So, yeah, I actually really like this bet. Um, it's going to be a Cleveland Packers parlay, 180 to win 240. Yeah, I, I agree on on both fronts with that one. My, uh, I also have a two-team money line parlay, by the way. Mine, however, has uh, significantly, I guess, more unlikely odds, but I think it's very likely. Otherwise, I wouldn't put it in here. I'm going to go ahead and go with the Steelers money line, which is even money against the Tennessee Titans and the Seahawks money line at minus 180 against, um, I'm sorry, against the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I'm going to bet $125 to win 264 here, so I'm getting pretty good value. I think that there's a lot of value on the Steelers money line alone. I think they're a better team than the Titans. Deontay Johnson is back. They're getting healthy. It feels like they should be slightly favored, but instead they're even money while the Titans are minus 120. Um, The Steelers beat the Texans much, much more convincingly than the Titans did. I trust the Steelers defense much more. I think the offenses are pretty much a wash, but I think the Steelers are more equipped to stop Derrick Henry than most teams. So I definitely like the Steelers there. And the Seahawks are also a much better team than Arizona, so I like the minus 180 odds there, and I like parlaying them together to get me um, the chance for almost tripling my money here. Yeah, that's definitely a huge payout, so that'll be a big bet for you if you hit it. Um, I'm not going to lie, I don't have a great feel for the Steelers-Titans game this week. I mean, I think both those teams are just really, really good, and I think it's going to be a field goal game. So I can't say I have a strong lean if I think it's going to be a three-point game, but I definitely don't hate it, especially with the value that you're getting there. Uh, my next bet is going to be a three-team six-point teaser, which is going to come out to plus 150 odds, and that's going to be the Panthers plus 13 at the Saints, the Chiefs down to minus two against the Broncos, and I'm going to go under 51 in the Bears-Rams Monday Night Football game. So I'm going to bet $100 to win 150 Look, my breakdown here is I just 
based on what I've seen this year, watching all the games so far this year, I don't think the Saints are a much better team than the Panthers. I think the Panthers are going to be able to move the ball here with Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Mike Davis, Curtis Samuel. I just think it's a good offense. All Teddy Bridgewater does is cover the spread in his career. He's very good against the spread. So I'm going to tease them all the way up to plus 13. I can't see them losing by more than two touchdowns here. Um, Look, I'm not going to overthink this one. Drew Locke has been a mess this year. I don't think Drew Locke is ready to beat Patrick Mahomes yet. Uh, The Chiefs offense is healthy. They're clicking right now. I'm not going to overthink it. I'm going to go with the Chiefs to win this game by more by at least a field goal. And then the Bears Rams, they both have some nasty defenses this year. They can both get after the QB. We know Jared Goff doesn't do well under pressure. We know Khalil Mack is probably going to be all up in his grill. Robert Woods is all of a sudden banged up. Uh, Allen Robinson is basically the entire offense for the Bears, and he's going to have to deal with Jalen Ramsey this week. So I think both offenses get slowed down quite a bit this week. And I do think this goes easily under 51 for my uh, three-team teaser here. Yeah, I like that teaser. I'm going to go ahead and and go with my own three-team six-point teaser because I have one as well. Um, We agree on Panthers-Saints. I I teased the Panthers up, so their plus seven goes to plus 13 as well. Um, I'm going to take the Bears side of the Bears-Rams. I'm going to tease that up plus six as well, so it's plus 12. Um, Same philosophy for both of those games, really. It's just that uh, the Panthers Saints is is going to be such a shootout that I expect it to be like I, I don't see any way in which the the Saints outscore the Panthers by two scores with no with, with their practice squad essentially, uh, and then the Bears Rams is I expect to be such a defensive showcase that twelve points is probably I mean there's not going to be a twelve point difference in that game because no no team is going to score more than three times, um. And then I'm going to add in the Bills against the Jets, teasing that one so their minus 10.5 goes to minus 4.5. If the Bills can't beat the Jets by five points, they have some serious issues. And uh, I I believe in the Bills this year. I believed in the Bills from from week one, essentially. Um, Here I'm going to bet 200 to win 300, so it's pretty good odds on that teaser as well. And I think all three of those are are, – are, are pretty pretty likely the only one i'm a little worried about is honestly bills minus four and a half i think they like the uh, the jets have been really bad this year but they've shown some flashes and i don't know i could just see it being a super letdown week for buffalo yeah i kind of understand why you're worried there i do you know when i'm doing a teaser like that i would usually like to get it under four or under three there but obviously you can't because they are heavy favorites for good reason uh, if Sam Darnold plays, maybe I'd be a little worried. But honestly, I think that teaser is a winner for you. So I think you should have some confidence in it. My last bet of the week here is going to be a parlay. It's going to be the Browns minus three parlay with the Bills money line. I'm essentially just doubling down on the Browns here and then just throwing in the Bills to get myself some more value. So I'm going to bet my remaining $100 left to win $111. I'm backing the bill. The, I'm doubling down on the Browns here for all the reasons I talked about. I don't think the Bills find a way to lose to the Jets. I mean, Ben, Sam Darnold might play, but if not, it's going to be Joe Flacco. I mean, that backfield right now is Joe Flacco and Frank Gore. Ben, if we replace Joe Flacco and Frank Gore with me at quarterback and you at running back, how much worse off are the New York Jets? I mean, I'm not bragging on myself by saying that, too. I'm a 22-year-old, and I'm currently in so much back pain at night, I can't even take a nap without a bottle of Tylenol. But I mean, Joe Flacco's terrible. 
<laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a f- I'm five foot eight and 150 pounds, and I had chronic foot issues in my in my sophomore year of collegiate baseball. So I don't really know how how good I'd be as an NFL running back either. But if if I was going to be better than anybody, I think it might be either Frank Gore or Kalen Balage. Yeah, I mean, my reasoning here is all Joe Flacco does is take sacks and throw incomplete passes. Look, I can go out there and take sacks and throw incomplete passes. All Frank Gore does is run up the middle for a loss of one yard. I mean, you can run up the middle for a loss of one yard. How much worse off would they be, Ben? I just, I don't know if it's much worse. No, that's fair. I might be faster than Frank Gore, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely not. But no, I mean, that's, I mean, it, it's a good point. I mean, the, like, I'm a little worried about the Jets just because I think it's a super, it's a, it might be a super letdown week and the Bills are coming off two, like, pretty heartbreaking losses, but they're just so much better of a team. There, there's no concern there with the Bills' money line at all. And if you really believe in the Browns like that, then I, I like that parlay as well. Yep. And that's my last one of the week. So I'll let you close it out here with the bets that you've got left. Yeah. I just have one more left. It's a, it's a super value play. I, I parlayed the two heaviest values that I saw on the board in terms of uh, what I thought it should be, what, what I thought the lines should be. Um, so I got the bears money line here because they, they are at plus two ten against the Rams the Bears being the team with the better record and I think maybe even the better team. I mean, we talk all the time about how they might be the worst, you know, five and one, five and two team that we've ever seen, but I'm not convinced on that yet. I think they might just be a very good team with a quarterback deficiency of which, you know, there have certainly been in the past and they've certainly been good teams. So Bears money line at plus 210 and I'm going to parlay that with the Steelers and Titans under 51 which is minus 115. I mentioned I thought the Steelers' defense is probably the most suited to stop Derrick Henry of anything, and I think maybe it just actually turns into a slaughter. I really believe in that Steelers' defensive unit. I'm only betting $75 here, so if I lose, it's not a big deal, and I can win 360 on this parlay. So just these heavy values, I'm perfectly fine losing this bet just because I think I win it enough times to be profitable in the long in the long run yeah i mean the bears plus 210 money line i really like that value for you um i actually lean over in that steelers titans game i like the over 51 uh ryan Tannehill has now played 16 games for the titans and i saw a stat that the over is 13 and 3 in those ryan Tannehill games the steelers also just lost devin bush uh kind of the heart of their defense their middle linebacker but I do lean over, but I mean, I can't argue with the value that you're getting there. So I definitely like that bet for you. I do think it is a winner enough times for you to be profitable. Man, Ben, I really like the board this week. That that smells like another winning week for us. A lot of parlays and teasers, though. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not scared. I'm not scared. As long as Anthony Man. Lynn doesn't do it to me. Let me just tell you, if I hit the Bears money line and the Steelers-Titans game ends up actually going over, I'm going to be very upset with myself because that means that means you knew and I didn't. Yeah, you can always flip it to over here at the last second, but nah, you got to stick with your guns. It is uh, minus no, fifteen. Yeah, it is no, minus one fifteen. Yeah, no, I'm I'm sticking with it. I, I I still. I mean, fifty-one is like a lot of points to be honest. I don't. I you know. I don't. I didn't really think either of these teams were going to score thirty-one on on each other. So, I'm I, I'm still very confident. I just especially. I mean, like after you said that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just like, oh man, <laughs> that would be a slap in the face if it loses, and then the Bears come through on Monday night. But uh, oh yeah, man. Uh, with that, if you're tailing our picks, please let us know at Cash Landing Pod. If you're 
making a lineup with some of the guys we recommended. You can screenshot your lineup, send it to us. We can all root for our lineups together. Um, we really like interacting with people on Twitter. We would also really appreciate it if you subscribe on Spotify and on iTunes. You can write a little review. You can give us five stars. That would make our day. Uh, we really enjoy doing these podcasts and just talking football and baseball with all the listeners out there. So, yeah, we really appreciate everyone that's listening. And with that, man, I would just say good luck to all the bets and all the lineup makers out there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Ben, any last thoughts before we get out of here? No, I, I got nothing. We're, uh, we're, we're, we're wrapping up here. I, uh, it, it's always fun doing this with you. It's always fun, you know, getting together every week. But uh, everybody, good luck out there, and uh, we'll see you next time.